trying to keep up with the quicker ones. God's wanting to equip his bride. So, it's not a problem. Um, I got home last night after traveling to give honor uh, to a man who was a great influence to me for many years, decades, in fact. Uh, he was like a father to me. Uh, my friend Pete Beck Jr. went to be with Jesus at the age of 93. Not that long ago, he had driven for five hours each way to be with us here at Harvest. <laughs> he was still going strong at 93, sharing his wisdom and his insights. And I was privileged to offer a short encouragement um, with those in attendance at his celebration of life service yesterday. I realized that there were some here today that never had the privilege of basically meeting Pete and have no reference for what I'm saying. But those of us who knew Pete know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's something to be said about being able to do uh, and, and celebrate, you know, do things to celebrate long tenure journeys together in the work of the kingdom of God, which Pete and I had. Decades of encouraging one another, traveling together to advance Christ's kingdom in the earth and encouraging other leaders uh, to do the same. One of the most hard-hitting thoughts that I had that I shared with them there regarded how I was privileged to watch Pete get more and more excited about the gospel, more fired up about knowing Jesus. And there was such an evidence in Pete of an ever-increasing glory. When Pete, when I, Pete and I talked pretty much weekly, sometimes a couple of times a week, he'd either call me and I, or I'd call him. And uh, our discussions were on the gospel. And he'd say, guess what I, the Holy Spirit showed me this week? I'd say, oh, that's cool. You know what else it says and where it says that? And we'd discuss some scripture and stuff like that. He'd say, ooh, I like this, you know. He would listen to my messages from Sundays, um, and he would, he, and just, I think he did it on purpose just to humble me. Uh, he, he would say, you're a tremendous preacher, and I learned so much from you.
in his later years, Pete was increasing in his revelation of new covenant truth. And at 93, was reversing on me honor. Because of that increase, he wanted to honor Jesus with his life all the way to the end. And I believe he did it. At 93, Pete was still getting blown away by revelations of who Christ really was, what the Father was really like. And he was traveling to share that. He remained excited about Jesus all the way up to the end. To me, that's evidence of how new covenant revelation produces a real relationship with God that can produce fruit at any age. Doesn't matter. It powerfully transforms a person all the way to the end of their life. Pete answered God's call. He never looked back. He put his hand to the plow and he kept going. Now, I share that with you today. Not just to honor a man who served this fellowship with great wisdom and oversight for many years as an apostle, but to hopefully spark in each of us the hope of an ever-increasing glory. That is the hope of the new covenant, an ever-increasing glory. It's important that we understand that. I know I want to be able to have someone say, You know, Tim was increasing in his revelation of Jesus and getting more excited about him each year he grew older all the way up until the time he was called home. Tim answered the call, never looked back, put his hand to the plow, kept going. I want that to be somebody's testimony of me when it's time for my going home. Pete was still traveling, doing the Lord's work. It's just amazing what he could do. I don't, you know, God forbid that it ever be said that the older you or I got, the more it seemed that we lost interest in the things of God and that our fire for Jesus dwindled. God forbid that the supernatural was a thing of the past And yielding to the Holy Spirit to be used by him didn't seem quite as as important as it once did. I want to be even more excited when I'm 80 about Jesus and the new covenant and the blessings that he brought with him than I am right now. I expect to be because every week the Holy Spirit peels back something new to show me. So I can keep excited at what Jesus was able to accomplish. And when you're excited about what Jesus was able to accomplish and you're seeing who he is, you can't help but praise him. You got to praise him. All right, husbands, I'm going to challenge you for a second. How many of you have ever come home? to an amazing meal that your wife went to great pains 
to prepare and you knew it and you absolutely enjoyed it and you just got up from the table and went and turned on the TV and sat down and said not a word. We're going to help you with that, brother, okay? <laughs> when, when you experience something, you know, this morning I gave my brother something that he's needed for a long time, and I had it available, and I thought this morning I, I want to do that. And he's been excited about it all morning. A gift that he never expected to get that will benefit him tremendously. He's excited about it. You know what he did in his society? Thank you. Came up, gave me a hug. He didn't even hesitate to say thank you, to give me a hug. How is it that the king of the universe could become a human being, allow his body to be tortured, hang on a cross, die, be raised again, ascend to heaven, and offer us the free gift of salvation through his obedience, not our own, and we don't get excited about it. How is that even possible? We get excited about a great many things in this life. We're passionate about a great many things in this life. I'm passionate in my love for my wife. We'll celebrate 35 years this November. And it, it's not a diminishing passion that I have for my wife or she has for me. It's an ever-increasing one. You want to know how people make it? 50 years, 60 years, Pete and Jane were passionate about each other for 72 years. You don't do that by not being able to see the worth and the value of the other person and then find ways to celebrate it and to be grateful for it. Amen? It should be the easiest thing in the world for us to be grateful for who Jesus is. It should be easy. Pete's amazing. He, like I said, he was still traveling, doing the Lord's work right up close to the time of his passing, still listening for the Holy Spirit to give him his next assignment. Not too caught up in this life to think he had done enough already, and it was time for him to just sit down and relax until time to go home. Wow. He had a vision. He had drive. He had desire. He had all that because of the grace of God working in him. And the more he dug into knowing Jesus and receiving revelation of the love of Jesus, the more he was filled with all the fullness of God and was able to give of himself all the way right up to the end. Even to the point that he wrote out specifically what his memorial service is to look like and who is to be involved in it so that his family, who is a huge family, would not have to sit and deliberate over all those details. And man, what a service it was. Paul testified in 1 Corinthians 15.10, if you want to go there. I share all that because I want us to just have something as a reference point for identification with where I'm going this morning. I won't be much longer. 
1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You know, it's always so much easier on those that are left behind when a person departs this life, when there's been a clear testimony and evidence of having loved Jesus till the end. To have lived in such a way as to enable others to feel confident that the person not only knew Jesus, but they, they didn't just know about Jesus, they really knew Jesus. Religion knows about Jesus. New creations know Jesus. Religion is immersed in how-tos based on what they think they know about Jesus. New creation is just living life by the Spirit, yielded in obedience to his direction and guidance, fulfilling the things that religion seems to talk about and struggle to do. Interesting thoughts. When you have witnessed a testimony of faith and trust evidenced by a life lived for Jesus according to the calling of God in their life, you know that such a person doesn't fear death. In my recent conversations with Pete, he said, you know, I know I got a word from the Lord that I'm going to make it to 100. He said, but, you know, that could be somebody just, they want to see me live longer, and I understand that. He said, but, you know, I'm ready anytime. I'm ready. He said, and if it's 100, I at least want to keep going until the day. And he did. I want us to consider something from Hebrews as we move to bringing things to a close today. I just feel like it's important. I want you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2. and We'll begin in verse 14 there, and we'll read all the way through to Three verse chapter uh, three chapter three verse six, and uh, and you'll see how in scripture what I've been saying to you so far is verified as valid. Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen says, "Inasmuch then as the el- as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death." that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. In other words, make payment, satisfy the debt. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Verse 1 of 3, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, 
who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all of his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, this letter was written to scattered Jewish people who were being enticed to go back under the Jewish systems and the law to gain confidence in their salvation. They were being persecuted, and they were suffering for their faith. That's why they were scattered. And here, they're being encouraged and given truth to help them be prepared. Being prepared in some way or another for the unexpected things in life is very much a part of our way of life. Have you ever thought about how many things in this life you have thought ahead about in order to be prepared should something happen? How many here have a car, a home, or, or you, have, you have car, home, or health, or life insurance, for instance? Some of you even have warranties on the devices you buy, right? Why do you have that insurance? Why? Of course, the answer in these situations is pretty much the same. No one can predict when something might occur that could result in crisis if it's unprotected. You know, I have life insurance. Should I go before my wife goes? I don't want her to wonder, you know, how she's going to be taken care of. And I don't want to put it on the backs of everybody else to do that. So it's not out of fear. It's out of prudence. I love her. I want her to be just as cared for when I go as she is while I'm here. Now, life insurance payout will not make her latte in the morning. She'll have to deal with that. Okay. She better not have some young cabana boy coming in. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. But I want her to be cared for when I'm gone. And so I prepare for that. You know, I trust my driving. It's everybody else on the road around me that I'm having a struggle with, you know. And uh, they may feel the same way about me. I don't, I don't know. But if they do feel the same way about me as I do about them, they've done what I've done and gotten insurance on their car, right? Uh, you, you follow what I'm saying? We prepare. We don't even think about the fact that we're preparing. It just seems like the right thing to do. It just, it just does. 
The only ones that don't have to do that kind of preparation are those that have money to burn. If you're super wealthy, you're not worried about insurance policies and stuff. If your car gets destroyed, you just buy a new one. Who cares? Your house burns down, just buy a new one. Who cares? You got the money to do it. Most people don't live like that. They just don't. And for those that don't, you know what they do? They spend a little money that they can't afford to protect what they can't replace. Make sense? If they're convinced something could go wrong in a given area of life, they look for ways to protect themselves from it. Now, this is heightened when you're overly concerned about your convenience. We don't like things to disrupt our flow. And mechanical things and technical things and electrical things can be just exactly that, a thorn in our side. Paul had a thorn in his side sent by Satan. We got one sent by Frigidaire. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you, you do things to prepare to try to... You know, there was supposed to be another, you know, device here for this morning that they were supposed to ship out and, and it'd be here yesterday, but they failed to do it. Now, if we couldn't have functioned without it, we would have been between a rock and a hard place. It would have been highly inconvenient. But I couldn't take insurance to guarantee that it would get here. I could only deal with it after the fact. And I, and, and, and I have to keep my attitude straight about the inconvenience of it. Right? The only thing I can do about it is what will my attitude be over their failure. Right? Now, it's just as possible and even more important, here it is, for someone to be prepared spiritually. It's just as important, actually more important, to be prepared spiritually. Through knowing Christ, you can be enabled. You can be empowered to live out your life with a passion for Jesus. I can assure you that there's a way to know Jesus so completely that you find yourself increasing in your passion for him. Not just going through the motions. Let me tell you, when marriage is fall apart and end, it's because somebody was going through the motions. And they weren't paying attention to the signs that they weren't doing the necessary things to keep the passion alive. This is why most divorces happen when the final child, the youngest child, is 18, finishes graduation. Usually the marriage will end when that child is done with their education and on their own. Because the two parties can't find a reason to remain together. What happened? They quit seeing each other. When you stop 
looking. When you stop seeing, when you stop speaking, you're on a course for it to die. This is how somebody can seem like they're on fire for the Lord, and then you meet them later on, and they're not even having anything to do with the Lord. They stopped seeing. They stopped speaking. How can you know if you have a passion for Jesus? You need a discernment tool. Well, the clearest one is you don't find that the request of the Holy Spirit for your time, your talents, or your resources is a bother to you. It's not a bother to you. And you don't have to weigh it in the scales of everything else you have going on before you can say yes. When you have a passion for Jesus, the Holy Spirit can speak into your spirit, I want you to, and your immediate response is, absolutely. If your immediate response is not absolutely, you're not seeing. You're not speaking. You're not. Your passion is going down. And you may think it's safe to cruise and just go through the motions that are convenient and easy to go through. But I'm giving you a warning today. Don't let yourself dwell there. Shake yourself out of that place. Wake up and realize this is not a game. There's an opportunity awaiting you. There's something that God wants to do in you and through you that will do, yeah, it's going to do something for you, but it's going to do even more for others as you yield yourself to it. Passion in a relationship is not something that's foreign to us. We see it occur in couples who are in love. When we observe love and sacrificial devotion, we call that passion. Now, there are just some things in the Word of God that are clear and evident that all believers are supposed to be engaged in, no matter who you are. They're not necessarily individually specific to who He made you to be or anything like that. It's just it's general in that it's the body of Christ. This is what He expects to see the body of Christ doing together, part of His will, part of His desire. It's sort of like a patriarch, you know, Pete's service yesterday, every single one of their family members were there, and there is a lot of them, great, great grandkids, not just great grandkids and grandkids, great, great grandkids. Why were they there? Because they love each other, and the expectation is somebody important in value is gone now. Let's go pay our respects. Let's show our love. Let's show our devotion. Let's show up. 
Let's be and let's do what is ours to be and do in this moment. And even though it was difficult, he just had last year been in Washington State, flew to Washington State to do the wedding of his great-great-granddaughter. Or his great-granddaughter, I'm sorry. His great-granddaughter. In October, she was speaking at the service. You know what she did? They're a young couple. They don't have a lot of money. But they still flew from Washington State to be at that service. Why? Evidence of their love, evidence of their devotion, evidence of their passion. For the one that meant something to them. That's what it was. It's, you can't say, I have a passion for Jesus. We got it. There is a God. Are we there? You can't say you have a passion for someone and not be willing to sacrifice in some way for their benefit. To accommodate their desire, to accommodate something. You know, it's just... The two, it's, it's a contradiction to say you passionately love somebody and then treat them like they don't matter. If I tell my wife I'm passionately in love with you and the only time I see her is at dinner and then that's just in passing and then I'm off to do whatever my thing is and let her do her thing and uh, that's pretty much it, then either I am deceived about what passion looks like or I know what it looks like, and I'm just not willing to make the sacrifice to evidence it, so I lie, you know. You see what I'm saying? My passion for her, I get up in the morning, I make her coffee, I deliver it to her in the bed. Because we got one of those adjustable thingy dingies, you know. And she can sit up. Yeah, she raises up. I open up the blinds, let the sun shine in. It's her morning routine. I hand her her cup of latte with a foam heart on the top. And I say, good morning, beautiful. 
you know what? I don't, there's never a morning that I'm doing that. I'm thinking, why am I doing this? Why do I? I just don't go there. It just doesn't happen. I, I, I get up, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to get this coffee going. I want her to be surprised. I want her to be excited about her morning. You know? It's amazing what a cup of latte does. Double espresso latte. I want a lively wife. Passion expresses itself. Somehow it expresses itself. You know? There's there's all kinds of things, you know. It's it, it doesn't matter. If she, if she needs something and and, and it's raining outside. I know she doesn't like to drive in the rain. I'll say, hey, honey, I'll go get that. You know? You don't have to do that. I can, I, no, you don't like driving in the rain. I don't mind it. I'll go get it. These Just passion. You know, Isaiah had a passion for the Lord. And when you read Isaiah, Isaiah, he's having his heavenly moment, and he overhears in heaven who will Go for us. And his passion moves him to respond, send me. I will go. Passion. And we all need it. We all need it. It's a passionate relationship with Jesus that produces the fruit of sound confidence and a good confession of faith all the way to the end of your journey. It'll do it. And such a relationship puts loved ones' minds and hearts at ease when it's time for you to leave this life. Well, I, I can't tell you how many funerals I've had to do or be at where to be honest I tell people I can't tell a lie. I will do the best I can to honor the memory of the one you love, but I will not lie. And I can't tell you how many funerals I have either had to attend or even officiate where the story from the family was, well, they're, they're in heaven because, you know, 20 years ago, they were on fire for Jesus. So I know they knew Jesus. But the last leg of their journey, they didn't give anybody anything to have confidence in. How sad is that? I remember, and some of you that are here, you'll remember when I did my mother's funeral here in this very location. Packed house, the A.C. wouldn't work in the middle of summer. It was hot, people standing. At the end of all of that, I had a woman come up and said, please, would you preach my funeral when I go? I said, ma'am, I'm honored you asked me that. But I have to ask you, have you lived like she lived? At the end 
para Deus. I said, I don't know you. And I'd have to have the confidence to preach like I did today. That you lived the way you were supposed to. In love with Jesus. I knew that about my mother. So, man, could I preach. See, it's hard to preach that way when you're not certain that the one you're trying to honor really had the love they were supposed to be carrying in their heart at the end. Makes it difficult. This is pretty sober stuff. Religious sentimentality or nostalgia cannot produce the ever-increasing glory that is yours only in Christ Jesus. See, you're not supposed to be getting older and less excited about the things of God. Religion lacks the ever-increasing glory that's only available through knowing Jesus according to Holy Spirit revelation. And I'll wrap this up by saying, my father-in-law, Harry Gilreath, and my friend, Pete Beck, knew the ever-increasing glory. And both are beholding Jesus face-to-face now. And both ran their race well. You can know ever-increasing glory, too. You don't have to go through life wondering, I wonder what my family would say. I wonder what my friends would say. Well, it'll be easy for them if there's the evidence in you of passion for Jesus Christ. And that passion, as I've said, is reflected in one's eagerness to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. Even if it costs something. Edekin mentioned David. And David had made one other mistake. And that mistake was that he numbered the people of Israel to see the might of his army. And it grieved God. And so an angel was sent and swinging a sword and thousands were dying in Israel. And the Spirit of God opened David's eyes to see the angel. And at a certain point, God stopped and paused the angel. And David could see it, sword drawn, ready to kill more. And you have to believe that the pause was for his sake. What are you going to do about this? And so David said, I must offer an offering to the Lord. So he goes to Anon and he says, I need your threshing floor in order to bring an offering to the Lord to, to stop the plague. And Anon says, you can have it. And David said to him, he said, no, I will pay you the full price because I'm not going to be offering God anything in this matter that didn't cost me something. There's a popular Christianity today afloat 
that's saying that you need to do nothing at all. To you. Now, here's the difference. Men of God don't do what they do to earn or merit love or acceptance or favor from God. They do what they do to honor and magnify and evidence their passion for God. David wasn't earning anything by buying the threshing floor. He was honoring his God and saying, I am responsible for this. I want to make sure that I handle this the proper way. If you want passion for Jesus, you have to let the Holy Spirit give you revelation of who he is and freshen your eyes to see. Then when your eyes see, you need to speak what you see. It is not enough to just see. When I go into my place with the Lord, and I'm getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking that revelation. John saw what he did, and he spoke what he saw. The testimony of Scripture is that which we have seen and heard, that we declare to you. If you're not speaking it, you're not owning it. So I encourage you today, see it and speak it. Have a safe trip, man. Be blessed. Good to meet you. Speak it and receive it. You ready to pray? Let's do it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and we ask you to give us fresh eyes today. Fresh eyes to see you. Fresh eyes to see the value of you. Fresh eyes that are once again amazed by you. The brightness of your glory. The splendor of your majesty. The greatness of your love. And the power of your forgiveness. We want to be awed by you so that our hearts are rekindled with fresh passion for you. Holy Spirit, we know you are the one that completes this work. You do this work in us. And so we invite you today to do that in our hearts. You have been amazing among us already. And we are grateful for that. But we would see Jesus all the more. And we ask you to do that for us out of mercy. We want to continue to increase in our passion for you every day of our lives. And so we submit ourselves afresh and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name. You receive it? Thank you for your patience. Thank you for patience with technical difficulties. And be encouraged today. God is doing something that's going to look new. It's not new. It's going to look new. But he's going to fuel the passion of his kids in this hour for Jesus. Amen? Well, hey, men, don't forget next Sunday evening, 
men's meeting here at 5 p.m. Pizza will be provided. Water will be provided. We're going to have a great time. 5 p.m. next Sunday, men only. Ladies, men only. Trust me, you want to release them for this one. It's going to be a good one. So we hope to see you guys there. God bless you guys. We love you. And God, hey, next Sunday, come ready, prepare, because this was just a foretaste of what the Holy Spirit's wanting to kick into gear in this house.